Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF Podcast. It's Friday, January 20th. Over the last few decades, South Korea has gone from being one of the world's poorest countries to one of the world's richest. Teenagers across the planet listen to K-pop, and families from Cuba to Iran to Brazil watch Korean TV shows. This Hallyu, or Korean wave, is currently being explored in an exhibition at London's Victoria and Albert Museum, curated by Rosalie Kim. It charts the meteoric rise of South Korean culture to the global stage. This week on the BOF podcast, Rosalie is joined by the model and influencer Irene Kim and Yana Peel, the global head of arts and culture at Chanel, to explore the Korean cultural wave that is sweeping across the planet. Thank you so much, Imran, for that kind introduction. It is wonderful to be here in the room with so much energy. And the last time, as Imran said, I felt that incredible energy of Hallyu K-Wave. It was in September. It was at the inaugural Freeze Art Fair in the Korean capital, which convened nearly 100,000 art world lovers from around the world and had everybody championing this idea that Korea was, in fact, the Asian epicenter of global contemporary art right now. That night, I had the great pleasure of catching a BTS concert hosted by our friend Mickey Lee, who has been the godmother of K-culture abroad. And at the dinner that followed, I looked to my left, and there was the director of Squid Games on his way to LA to get his Emmy. Across from me was the incredible K-pop idol G-Dragon, who is the star of our latest Chanel Connects podcast series. And on my right was none other than Psy of Gangnam Style. So yes, I, I did get the selfie. I couldn't resist. 
What I realized at that moment was really that Korea was not just the most extraordinary host, but also this incredible cultural producer. And as Imran said, it is really one of the most dynamic exporters of cultural content from K-pop to K-music to K-drama to the food and the fashion and the skincare, which one of our guests today is particularly excited about. Now, while seemingly an overnight phenomenon, much of this, as we'll be hearing from another of our guests, actually goes back all the way to the 1970s. And it was a moment where post-war Korea was grappling with the conflict with Japan and also realizing that it would be facing a future with the division between North and South. Now, back then, incredible artists like Liu Fan started the Danse Kwa movement. And they were thinking about how to establish a local narrative that also really resonated abroad. Fast forward 50 years, and here we are riding the incredible K-Wave, and I think it's really extraordinary that Imran has so thoughtfully identified it, that there is this universal energy coming out of Korea, which is defined by its music with BTS and Blackpink. I know Jenny Kim wished she had been here, but she's on a sold-out tour right now. Imran mentioned the K-drama. I'm sure many of you are watching Pachinko, are watching Parasite, Kim's Convenience, if you're Canadian. And we're really seeing this incredible celebrity of directors like Bong Joon-ho, Park Chan-woo, and of course, the books that are being read around the world in many, many languages. So, this is not by accident, as we're going to hear today from two incredible soft power players and incredible ambassadors of Korean culture abroad. With us to ride the K-Wave, we have Rosalie Kim, who has spent over a decade as the curator of Korean art at the Victorian Albert Museum. She is a celebrated writer, thinker, architect, and scholar. And we have with us my new old friend, Irene Kim, who has been named by Time Magazine as one of the top 10 next generation leaders changing the world. Irene was praised by Forbes as one of the top 30 CEOs under 30 as a global social media star championing Korean influence abroad with her label, Irene is good, and she also has some amazing insights on football, which we'll share with you as a very prominent athletic star on the ground. So let's start with Rosalie. Let's start with what is Hallyu? How did we get here? And what is defining this particular moment in K-culture right now? Well, that's a really big question. <laughs> and um, I suppose Hallyu is actually a term composed of two words, Han meaning Korean and Ryu meaning wave. And the Korean wave is actually referring to the meteoric rise of pop culture from South Korea that took the world by storm in the past few years. But in fact, Hallyu's first wave really rippled across Asia in the late 1990s, led by K-drama and cinema, before it exploded around the world from the mid 2000s onwards, spearheaded this time by K-pop music. And buoyed by young tech-savvy generations making use of the emerging smartphone technologies and social media networks such as Facebook, Twitter and YouTube that were coming at the time around the mid-2000s. And today, Hallyu is challenging the global currents of pop culture around the world and uh, at the same time it's strengthening the um, South Korea soft power. But this is really not an overnight sensation and 
You have to bear in mind that actually Korea went through a succession of traumatic events in the 20th century, starting from the 1905 with the Japanese protectorate that really led to the colonial period until 1945. And when the liberation came, actually it fell as a victim under the sort of polar opposite power at play during the Cold War that was happening in the West. And so that the territory has been divided into two, with the northern part being under the trusteeship of the Soviet Union and the south of the Americans. After that, five years later, North Korea is invading South Korea in the hope to um, reunify the country under the communist banner. But this, obviously, as we all know, has no real outcome because there was no armistice and the two countries are still technically at war. And at the end of the 1950s, early 1960s, South Korea was really considered as a third world country that was completely flattened, carpet bombed during the Korean War and with a GDP that was 40% lower than that of India. And it was really a moment where this very weak social, political and economic situation created this fertile ground for a um, military regime to set in place. And so we had a dictatorship for the next 30 years, which means that South Korea really started to become a full democracy only in the late 1980s, early 1990s, which means that it's only then that they started to access creative license, artistic freedom. And this started coming to an abrupt end in the late 1990s, in 97, with the Asian financial crisis. And interestingly, this is the moment that Korea started to very much invest into IT technologies, high-speed internet, but curiously as well into the cultural industries when they realized, for example, that the sale of the tickets from the movie Jurassic Park by Steven Spielberg in 1993 outperformed the sale of 1.5 million Hyundai cars. And so the math was really quickly done. And once you know this, this was this um, correlation between the states as well as the private investors and a formidable group of creatives that came together to create this Hallyu as we know it today and bring it to to what it is today. It's so fascinating also because when you're in the arts and you look at some of the recent cuts here in our own Arts Council funding and the realization that just this year, $3.7 billion were invested by the government in Korean arts, it's a really interesting statement in terms of how private and public funding can work well together. But I'd love to come back to that energy and to the energy that actually brought Irene from America, where she grew up, to be a driver and an influencer in this economic miracle right now. What brought you back and what are you seeing on the ground right now? I mean, for me personally, just to see my way of life and how I grew up become a global phenomenon is a little bit crazy because I grew up in America, in an American suburban house, my grandmother making kimchi in a tub, hosing down lettuce, and coming home to the smell of tenjang jjigae and sesame oil, not bacon or bread, and my mom slapping on 10 different face serums and lotions. So it's what I grew up seeing, and because of the era of this digital and social media, we've been able to be discovered by the world, and we're so excited that we're able to share our way of life. 
And my favorite thing to do to come home after Fashion Week is slap on a face mask, heat up my bowl of rice with my mom's kimchi jjigae, and turn on Netflix and turn on Crash Landing on you. <laughs> Irene, you mentioned yesterday in our conversation that you love kimchi so much you have your own canned variety. Can you tell us <laughs> some other products and just exciting things in your ecosystem under the Irene is Good brand? My ecosystem is just my lifestyle. I think everything that I've been able to share with the world is something that I grew up with. And even showing my culture through social media and my platforms has always been very organic. And the fact that we couldn't find kimchi in Seattle, and now that we're selling kimchi worldwide, globally is great and bibimbap and kimbap is everywhere and k-beauty is everywhere and k-fashion and just the fact that the friends and my colleagues and people that I grew up watching on k-dramas are on billboards and winning Oscars and selling out stadiums worldwide is just incredible. We'll be right back with more on the BOF Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-N. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail23. Shopify.com slash retail23. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewelry that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, and not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I'd love to extend that and also turn to Rosalie to talk about this phenomenon of really localized cultural expertise that is being very thoughtfully channeled abroad. We talked about cultural technologies, the way that some of the players between, let's say, Los Angeles and Korea are really having impact. And at Chanel, we're really focused in this idea of creating conditions for artists to dare in their local spaces. Of course, uh, the Biennale in Korea has been so exciting. Busan Film Festival has really shone the spotlight on the most diverse voices that you can find. But I'd love to hear how that bridge between America and Korea, especially in music and film, has really generated this kind of bridge, which is really singular. This is really the most exciting exporter in Asia at the moment that's having this incredible impact with the globalized message. Yes, I think um, there is two facets to the coin. On the one side, for example, you have the film industries that is really much looking at the local narrative, but has these um, universal appeals, such as, for example, Parasite, as you mentioned, where I think the issues around social inequalities is really rife in Korea. And we talk about what we call Hell Joseon, Joseon being the dynasty right before Korea, but it's considered as Hell Joseon because the hierarchical structure, the patriarchal society, the social inequalities are really enhanced at the period as it is in many parts of the world. So even if it's a local narrative, it has this kind of impact that is touching many people around the world. But then on the other hand, you have industries like the K-pop industries that is using almost something that Korea has been subjected to for quite a while through colonial period or through the American military presence on the Korean Peninsula, where you get to have a foreign influence is constantly impermeating your own culture and it is becoming part of your own culture. You're digesting it. And so by reversing the process, if you'd like, they are approaching K-pop culture in a way where there is a sort of link that you can bridge with your audience wherever you go. So if you go to China, you tend to sing in Chinese. You also have incorporated a member from China, from Thailand, into your members group. And uh, you're also creating partnership with local industries in order to not only promote Korean pop culture, but also try to see talents um, locally that you can then grow following uh, potentially the pattern that they have created in Korea. So Irene, who should we be looking at? You are famously friends with all of the coolest Korean kids on the planet. And you said the military, so that's an interesting dynamic. BTS getting drafted makes headlines all over the world. Can you give us an idea of who we should be looking at, what you think is particularly exciting? 
Right now, I mean, definitely all the Korean films and the dramas, but right now at the moment, my favorite K-pop group is this new group called New Jeans. New Jeans. New Jeans. They're kind of been taking uh, over Korea at the moment and Asia, and they're just this, like, new, refreshing girl group. They're still very young, but all of them are so talented, and they all speak English, and... Their songs are very catchy, and you just like want to dance when you hear the song and just sing along. So, New Jeans is like the moment. It's really exciting to think about that, and also to appreciate that. I guess with this kind of power comes responsibility. And so, how do you feel about taking on the responsibility of translating Korean culture abroad? I think I've just been very lucky to grow up both in America and in Korea, and thanks to social media and all these different channels like YouTube and being able to play football on Korean TV, but just being able to grow up in both worlds and being able to share my experiences to my Korean audience, but as well as my global audience now, thanks to social media as a Korean American, and just share my stories organically and see what's going on and what I'm into and what my friends are into and what skincare routine I'm doing that day and just moments with my grandma and my mom in Korea and just spending time. I think it's been really great. That's really interesting because I think it was that also transgenerational transfer that we saw that was incredibly exciting in September. The art world was looking around thinking, what is incredibly exciting? And then we said, everyone is young. It's uh. this youth, it's this excitement, and it is this transgenerational transmission, but the yeah. idea that it is really happening among a generation for whom there's an optimism that you're not seeing in a lot of perhaps the European world right now. Yeah. What's interesting is that some of the shows that we're going to be seeing in the next 18 months are coming through Michael Govan to LACMA uh, and to the Guggenheim Museum. Rosalie, can you give us an idea? Over the next 18 months, you heard it here first, but the art world is really post-Hallyu at the V&A going to explode with this deeper insight into Korean culture, I believe from 1897, which is as far as the LACMA show will take it back. Can you give us an idea, Rosalie, from your world, what you expect to be seeing from this incredible moment that you have brought out? Well, I hope that it will continue to produce new content, interesting content that would have a global appeal. But I think what is interesting with Hallyu, and hopefully that's going to happen next, is um, how new technologies are always bringing a new way of producing, distributing, and consuming culture. And I think whoever is going to tackle, for example, with the metaverse and its possibilities would be also something that would expand how the culture is nowadays consumed and have access to a wider audience as well, uh, regardless of access to technology. I think this is something that I'm very much looking forward to. Now, one of the highlights of the V&A show is, of course, the collaboration with Google Arts and Culture. And I must admit, over the weekend, last weekend, our CTO at Chanel sent a clip of himself doing the dance. And he said, everyone, get over quickly to the V&A before our exec trim to Korea in February. And so I wanted to take that idea, the collaboration that you had. Can you give us a moment on actually how that works at the end of the show so we can understand how you bring 
K-pop and dance into that, and then maybe look at the social platforms, Kakao or others, just so we can yeah. conclude the session with a great understanding of which technology we're coming from beyond the galaxy cars that we know are also having <laughs> increasing influence abroad. Yeah. Can you give us a moment on that? So what we developed is uh, Google Dance Interactive with a local choreographer called Bibi Trippin regularly working with ETs or um, Sai and Sugar from BTS. And I think um, we wanted to show that actually K-pop is just not a genre of popular music, but also an immersive experience that is combining lyrics, sound, as well as choreography and the visuals. And the choreography is always forgotten, but it plays an important, a huge role in the fandoms that is created around K-pop. And so we wanted to bring that out and we had a team of uh, choreographers in Seoul, Google had a team in Paris and in London and we were in, in V&A and trying to just coordinate and make sure that everybody was on par and we tested and it was a, a, a very fun and interesting collaboration and this is reflected in the way it comes out in the exhibition where everybody from 8 to 88 had a go actually at the Dance Interactive and as soon as you followed this instruction you get filmed and your image is in immediately projected onto a wall and you become part of a collective creating a whole dance choreography and it makes you look even if you are um, a beginner as a complete non-dancers like I am you look amazing because Google has created it so that you float in the air with the colors and the back dancers so it's an amazing experience and I invite you all to come and uh, have a go. Fantastic and Irene, in terms of the technology, I mean, I know you have nearly 3 million followers on Instagram, but that is just the tip of the iceberg. What technologies and platforms are important to you in spreading your message? I think just the DNA of our culture as well, especially coming from a, a war-torn country. Like, we've managed to evolve, especially with all these new technologies. We have the fastest internet in the world, I would say. It's like 5G, LTE, you know. It's like six bars of Wi-Fi. So just being able to amplify our culture through these different platforms. We don't use Google. We use Naver, which is our local kind of hub of search engine. And we have Kakao Talk. We work through Kakao Talk. We share our stories through Kakao Talk. So we have these individual platforms. So even with Instagram, it was fairly new in Korea. It's only been about maybe eight years that it actually celebrities in Korea started using it. So the combination of all of those platforms really just like gave us more exposure outside of Korea and to the world. For me, it's all of them. TikTok. I mean, during COVID, it was TikTok and, and YouTube and then now football. I'm, I'm on this show in Korea that it's a reality show. And we have these teams that there's like a singer team, an actress team, and I'm on the model team. And we all came together to play football, and we're very serious about it. The bruises on your hands. The bruises, the bruises are bruises real, the tears are real. Um, I cracked my rib twice. Um, we're already on season three, but also like the genuine realness, how these Korean TV shows just capture us, I think just gives an emotional connection to the audience because we're just really there playing football and it's just, all of us together passionate about one thing and the way that we show it is just very genuine. 
Well, thank you for the emotional connection that you have forged with the audience today. Uh, it was incredibly exciting to have you both here. Thank you to Business of Fashion, to Imran for entrusting me with this incredible panel. Thank you. everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail23. Shopify.com slash retail 23.